Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have The Lair of the White Worm, starring Amanda Donahoe, Hugh Grant, Charlotte Oxenberg, and Peter Capaldi, based on The Lair of the White Worm by Bram Stoker and written and directed by Ken Russell. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. It's time to wrap up with our Mets Picks cask in our fictional video store. He's had full reign over the last couple weeks here to pick some off-the-beaten-path, some stuff that... Uh, we should be seeing some stuff maybe a little forgotten, maybe like like Event Horizon or, or some cult classics, things like that. And today from 1988, I do believe, The Lair of the White Worm. And we got to do kind of a fun thing. Uh, I went in about as blind as possible on, on this one. Didn't read anything about it. Didn't look up much. No trailers. So I knew Ken Russell, so I kind of knew yeah, what you're in for. pseudo what I was in for. But it's fun. It's fun to kind of just go in blind sometimes, right? Would you lean on the side of B horror for this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it has kind of like a like a monster movie type of feel, like yeah. made from England, right? And it's got this English style, and a lot of that's due to the actors involved. Uh, the location, I think, uh, has a lot to do with that. But oh yeah, yeah, B B movie, but done A quality, I would say. Yeah, I would too. Mm-hmm. Well, some more of the Eagles rare, and while we're taking a little sip of this. Hmm. I'd like to bring a little rye restoration to to you before we get started here. Uh, and another one, you know, we're right in the middle of all the ghouls, specters, demons, boogeymen, but I think an often forgotten uh, little subgenre of horror, uh, the, the thriller, and we don't get too many thrillers anymore, but man, the early, nine, early to mid-90s was just the heyday of that, the yuppie nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. Your middle, uh, upper middle class, uh, couples, marriages, uh, relationships going through the ringer through some sort of horrible rigmarole. Uh, and one that I think holds up pretty well, watched it this week, Unlawful Injury with yeah. Kurt Russell, Ray Liotta, Madeline Stowe. Um, I don't know the last time you've seen that one, but uh, it's good. It's pretty good Liotta performance, watching him and Russell go toe-to-toe, and that thing's a lot of fun, but mm-hmm. kind of your worst nightmare, right? You know, when law enforcement is supposed to protect you and they're kind of slowly becoming like this unhinged psychotic maniac that's invading your family. Madeline Stowe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hey, I was like, who's the wife in this film? And it was her. And I kind of did a little deep dive on her filmography. Pretty good. Yeah. For a little while, 12, six, seven years, 12 monkeys, uh, last of the Mohicans. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Uh, so if that one hasn't been on your radar, Matt, I, I highly recommend that one to you, but to all the audience and, to kind of look into that yuppie nightmare little thing, whether it's Hand That Rocks the Cradle, um, Sleeping with the Enemy, Pacific Heights, yeah, just that like quiet thriller where it's just like you're dealing with some bad dudes or women, right? Hand That Rocks the Cradle, those are some good callbacks. That yeah. Give me some stuff to watch this week. Hey, before we get too far into this, did mm-hmm. you play around with Reptile yet on Netflix? Oh, yeah. And I, I was real excited to see that with the trailer, and then I did a bit of research on that. Did you watch it? Not yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. The thing mm-hmm. giving me pause is it's a Netflix original, yeah. and I have been very lukewarm on their kind of original films, right? From something like The Gray Man, right? Mm-hmm. 
they just leave a lot left to you know be desired. But I'm curious with the cast. I mean, you got Benicio del Toro, Alicia, Alicia Silverstone, Silverstone, who's where's she been? Justin Timberlake. And Justin Timberlake. That's an odd pairing, and that's yeah. what got me going. Is that cast is so unique? Mm-hmm. I never would have dreamed any two of those, much less all three of them together. And yeah, Alicia Silverstone. Hi, yeah. I remember her? But yeah, I don't know. Um, the trailer has a tone to it that made me think this almost seems a little tongue in cheeky at point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then from what I read, I'm not entirely sure that's e. how it, yeah, we'll see. Like I'm going to, I'm going to watch it, but we'll see one more and then we'll get, we'll get yeah, going here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Continental on Peacock mm. done that yet. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's oh, the, oh yes. Yeah. The John wick one. Yes. Just the first episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a three episode little limited run, but. Well, the first episode is almost a movie itself. It's mm. like 90 minutes. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Does it feel weird? And uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've also done that one too. Um, I like that we're expanding the lore, but doesn't something feel a little bit, just because it's not like the same like look and feel, right? It, it does feel like it's made by different people, Yeah. even though it's the same world. So that's the only thing kind of tripping me up. I, I had the same kind of experience uh, watching the Amazon Lord of the Rings series, and I was like, this is good. It's more of the world, but I'm missing that Peter Jackson flair from the movies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's almost like it's missing part of its personality. It's sure. also missing Reeves as well, right? Big miss. He's a huge part of that personality, but I, I like that they're going there, right? Yeah. You know, telling, telling, you know, different aspects of that world that, you know, we've been so high on. So yeah, we like that world, so. Well, to all those questions, maybe we'll do some uh, some homework and some research into some of some of those properties. But hey, uh, we got a lot to talk about here with the raw rye watch from me. Uh, but let's get right into our review breakdown of the Lair of the White Worm. And here we are, Ta-da. <laughs> and here we go. So uh, this film starts off with you know it just kind of gets right into the middle of a lot of different things here. One is this archaeology aspect. You know, you have Peter Capaldi here, uh, Mr. Doctor Who himself, young as well, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about Hugh Grant a little bit later, but this has to be like some of their first go, go run at it, right? For sure. Uh, kind of digging in the yard here, and we don't know what he's really looking for, but I like how the film does unfold with like all these legends and lore and speakings of this mythical slaying of this warm beast uh snake monster right yeah and you know he does find a skull here yeah i mean he totally excavates this these people's yards uh but finds this skull it almost looks like a cow i almost thought it looked like kind of like pseudo xenomorphy yeah in, in a way mm-hmm. but it's there's gonna we're gonna find out it's gonna be this this serpent's head but I really do like stories where like a little community um whether you know it's something like this or, you know, you know, something like like a witch tale where everyone knows the lore and speakings of this beast or creature that's, well, it's like the Slaughtered Lamb Pub in American Werewolf in London, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the legend and we're, we do our best to ward it off. Yeah. And if it's having this kind of swanky party where we reenact parts of it, right, uh, we, we all know... It's like it's folklore, right? It's it's a different part of folklore. What, what do you think of that? The setup of, and then I guess also, um, why why this pick? I'm sure we'll get into into that more through the ratings and, and the reveal. But what what made you you know kind of gravitate towards this a little so bit? So the pick first, and we'll do the the first question second. It's been wow a long time since I've seen this. This is 
middle to latter part of college days when I had first and the only time I had seen this. And in kind of a, well, not kind of, in a much more immature state and in some ways a less tolerant state of my film viewing, I remember really wanting to turn this off because it wasn't, was it as I thought it was advertised with this succubus vampire thing, although that's a piece of it. It's a little bit of a slow burn to get there, and it is truly B-horror. Add to it a British flair, and I think it was a little bit out of the comfortable place that I thought film should look like back then. Mm -hmm. But I remember turning it off and think, well, I'm glad I made it through that, and, and I've seen it now. And then the Amanda Donahoe character, mm-hmm. uh, Mistress Sylvia, mm-hmm. really does steal the show, and it really is her movie. And the title might even speak to that. Yeah, um, it had always been on my back burner to check it out again. You know, the, the the cask is what would I recommend if I were in a video store? Yeah, and I think there were a couple times that I did recommend this, namely because the cover for the film mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. But I don't know if those people that I recommended this film to were entirely grateful that I did so. Mm -hmm. If this is just, let's find a horror movie Friday night guy or gal or couple, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to have a little bit of Ken Russell prep preparedness before you get into this. Mm -hmm. It's British and, you know, we can say what we want about British horror. Mm -hmm. Um and it doesn't have a huge budget. And then when you have this large snake that's sort of coming around and you choose to, with that, play in the idea of phallus and... Oh, there's a lot of that. Penetration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a little bit... It, it's a lot. Well, I mean, okay, so the blah, 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 all that, right? That's mm-hmm. a really long-winded saying. It's a lot. This movie is a lot to take on. It, it is sort of fever dreamish. It's kind of weird. I think... And I th- uh those are things I definitely really liked about it. Yeah. Like I, I'm like, I'm still in that space where I really appreciate weird cinema or weird sequin sequences mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that played really well with me. It's a, uh, it, it is a little Lynchian. It's a little weird at times, but it, it, it doesn't go full inch. Right. I think it's still a fairly coherent story from beginning to end to slay this mythical beast um, but they have some fun along the way. They have some fun with, you know, how they're showing and portraying certain aspects. Excavating these people's houses that are girlfriend and girlfriend's sister. Yeah. That sister of girlfriend's kind of pseudo boyfriend has a family lineage to destroying the worm of De Anton. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. D apostrophe A-N-T-O-N, something similar De to Anton, that. De Anton, yeah. De Anton. That, that's an interesting beginning. And just to sort of be in the backyard and dig up this large that it used to be reptilian skull. It used to be a convent, right? That was buried in the ground that previously housed a convent Mm -hmm. now we don't know where the convent's gone it's been torn down brick by brick maybe because there's no virgins as we're going to find out later (laughs) (laughs) or there is one yeah it's weird the whole thing's just weird it's it's a a weird setup but kind of laughably weird too like the guy's such a dork digging this this reptile skull out of the ground if you're thinking please don't let this be the titular antagonist protagonist sorry he kind of is at the end. He kind of, the of is, yeah. yeah. Uh, you kind of think that this is going to be Hugh Grant's movie, and at a portion it, it it is, but then towards the end, it like they switch again. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, Peter Capaldi channeling his inner Egon, right? Yeah. Um, kind of this, yeah, bookworm guy. Both of these guys rocking some serious oh, uni- unibrow, right? <laughs> Egon, that is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of nerdy, but, you know, he's got you know, he's got this this gal here. This the, Their family runs this thing. And then something we also kind of get in late with, we find out that the, the parents of these two sisters have gone missing a year prior. Mm-hmm. Also excavating things? Or yeah. were they also archaeologists? Um, not sure if they were archaeologists or if they just got lost on a, an afternoon uh-huh. e- exploration into the cave. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this they, is, they still haven't found them yet. Here's one thing though, that's still troubling from this viewing to the first viewing and pretty much anything that falls in the space. I have a very hard time uh-huh. deciphering heavy, heavy British and even worse Irish accents. Yeah. There was a couple moments I'm like, man, do you want to turn on the subtitles? Oh, I, th- I thought about it too. <laughs> okay, so it's not just me. I thought I was like, let's just roll with it. Let's just kind of be confused. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So maybe it was in there. Yeah. Exactly how they went. But I guess the bigger issue is. They're just not there. They are just not there. And they haven't been for a while. So a year right. later, I mean, it's like, eh, I think, you know, something might have happened to them. And we'll find out uh, about that all the way. But, man, we cut to this. I don't even know what, what do we call this? Uh, English hoedown, hillbilly hoedown. <laughs> this band, the knockoff version of the Waterboys performing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, or the, uh, per, the, the Waterboys, by the way, or the Proclaimers, or something. <laughs> yeah, doing some sort of like Irish English celebration of the destruction of the Deanton Worm. Yeah, but with like a like a a bluegrass flair to it. Is just a very special subset of music. Yeah, and it's just hilarious. And though they're doing kind of like uh, one of the, like these classical, like almost like southern, like you know, orchestrated dances, something out of Dracula, right? Uh, they're going through the motions. They're slaying a paper mache worm, and you're just like, wow, this is weird. What are this like? What are these rich people uh, really up to? And yeah. it's all warm and tentacle themed, like. The food spread, you had some nice little cracks about it, but man, that's about the most disgusting spread of food I've ever seen. Yeah, squid and pickled earthworms. Yeah. And <laughs> Green jello. <laughs> just the head of some fish or eel or it's who yeah. The, ugh. yeah, it's all pretty off putting, but I guess this is a yearly occurrence to honor the Dumont or <laughs> uh the DuPont family here. Mm-hmm. Uh wh- whoever it so be to honor the slang of this ancestral beast that I guess was running amok in the countryside for, for years, just eating virgins and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, well, what a better place to do it than, I guess, at a convent. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Hugh Grant. Uh, Lord James. Yeah. What do you think of... Let's talk about Hugh Grant. I don't think he's ever popped up on this podcast before, but A, what's your opinion on Mr. Grant? And B, kind of what do you think? I th- He's obviously set up to be like the de facto hero in this film. He's Mm -hmm. not like military garb, but like, I guess he works for the police department or something. I I don't know. That's not really clear either. Um, But he's got like, you know, like the whole suit suit and get up and everything. Uh, What do you think of that? And what do you think of his character? I think Hugh Grant plays a lot better in comedy than he does anything else. Uh, Even in his early work. You know, there's a little bit of a sketchy period in his background that I think did a real big number on his acting career. 
<laughs> Talk about the time he hired a prostitute. Yeah, that. When he was married to Elizabeth Early. <laughs> that very same marriage that Come went up on, in smoke. Man, I yeah. know. But uh, he's weird in this film. Mm-hmm. He's almost so noble insofar as like royalty, like feudalistic noble, like yeah. landowner. Yeah. That the day-to-day triviality of the effects that this worm has bestowed upon the inhabitants of this community almost don't resonate with him. There's this sort of tongue-in-cheek, very dry sense of humor that he has with his his uh, Alfred, his butler. It's not Alfred, but it might as well be. Mm. And his butler's so noisy getting him his breakfast. Noisy and not clean and dirty and... Probably um, has Parkinson's or something. He's terrible. What mm-hmm. a terrible butler. Mm-hmm. But James is sort of a terrible best friend to this guy. And I guess they strike up a pretty good friendship through this a meeting at the table of snakes heads yeah. and squids and such or eels heads. What do I think of him? That's a, I, uh, okay. Here's what I think of him. I think he's mostly pretty useless. Hugh Grant or this character? The character. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Hugh Grant's useless. I don't know. Yeah. I think the character in this film is pretty useless. Yeah. Other than a couple moments, which we we'll get to, I'm sure, in some time in the film, mm-hmm. not really sure that he does a lot other than field some phone calls and just sort of drone on and on about very insignificant things. He's, and I wonder if Russell wrote him that way on purpose. Mm. If he wrote him long-winded and terribly, tragically insignificant. He just drones on and mm-hmm. on and on. It's funny that I'm saying that in the middle of a podcast, right? Now. Yeah. But he doesn't come to what, what he'd come to in like a sentence or two mm-hmm. comes to in <sighs> the speech after speech, after speech, well, he had, nothing. He had one line in there that I thought was just so bizarre. I was like, what was the point of even that out there to say just things are crazy here at that, uh, the homestead. But he was like, if you're digging in the yard there and you see any chastity belts, let me know. Cause yeah. these maids are running them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he does have a moment too, where you also we'll get to it in in, in a bit, where you think he's going to be seduced by this succubus, mm-hmm. right? This the 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 titular worm, the lady, Sylvia. Yeah, uh, and she kind of lets him go, and he kind of gets out scot free, and they they kind of do like a little dance kind of throughout throughout the film. But yeah, his character is interesting. I, I don't want to say Hugh Grant borders on near Clive Owenness for me, but. Mm. I also haven't seen a lot of his films, to be completely honest with you. And the ones I have seen, I haven't seen in a long time, like Nine Months, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Love Actually. I've seen Love Actually, and that does probably maybe the most recent one of his I've seen. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He was okay in uh, the, that guy, Richie the Gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, he's playing the Oompa Loompa in that new Wonka movie, and I'm like, that sounds like a bad idea just waiting to happen right there. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess I'm kind of lukewarm on him just kind of in general. He doesn't really move my dial yet. Um, he had a good run there in the mid-'90s before that colossal disaster, right? Yeah, I didn't see any of that Bridget Jones stuff, and he was in all that too, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's just not my Ugh. cup of tea. You no, got, it's you, not. <laughs> no, okay. You got sleepy Colin Firth floating around in those things too. Yes. Um, you got Renee Zellweger, you know. Mm. What, what was the knock I had? Was it? Uh, oh, Laura Linney was like, oh, man, I like, I don't want Laura Linney. You could put Renee Zellweger, and I'd like this better. And I'm, mm-hmm. it's, man, that's a knock against Laura Linney, I guess. You're I'm, not a fan. I don't know, but uh, 
No, yeah. So they they have this thing here. Uh, Capaldi and his and his lady they leave uh, for the night, but then they see a car driving in the dark, right? And it's this woman who owns this estate here, the titular lair of the white worm, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, what's she doing here? Like, she's supposed to be kind of out of town on sabbatical, whatever. Uh, and then when they get back to their place, there's this cop here and this, you know, this, you know, this Benny Hill cop yeah. uh, who's got a lazy eye, uh, just odd to look at. And, you know, he's doing his best to, you know, look into the parents' disappearance. But then he finds himself on this estate, thinks he sees an intruder. And then, oh, no, I just got bit by a snake. And then this woman, Lady Sylvia, shows up. And I think they do a really good job with her. Uh, they do. Femme fatale, uh, succubus, whatever we want to call her. If the point is to make her oddly, you know, seductive yet horrifying, I think they've succeeded, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we've said that, you know, about a lot of different horror creations. Uh, and I think that's a delicate balance of wanting to be, like, tantalized by these circumstances. And I found myself playing with this. I was like, well, if I was in this situation, how would this play out for me? I was like, yeah, I'd probably get, you know, bit on the thigh or whatever. Mm-hmm. But some off-putting imagery in this film, this first this first little moment of her sucking his poison, which, ladies and gents, like, I know you see it in movies. You are not supposed to do that for a snake bite. You're just getting the poison in your throat now. Yeah. Uh, whether they did that in the Wild West or not, like, I think they paid the price if they did that. Yeah. But, yeah, she's sucking this thing. And they're not just sucking out, like, a little driblet of poison, man. It's like a full shot glass of poison that they're all spitting out. This green bile yeah, poison. Yeah, right. And the consistency of like maple syrup. Yeah, almost. Ugh. Yeah, like a lime green maple syrup. Gross. Very gross. But then, you know, ah, here's a brandy. Let's kind of drink tonight. You kind of don't know what is she going to, you know, seduce this man here? Or is this going to just be another kind of pawn in her snake army or or whatnot? See, she, she seems to have a few of those running around. Uh, we'll find out the parents here uh, in just a little bit, but. Yeah, what do you think of Lady Sylvia? How how does that part play for you? If Hugh Grant is, you know, not even on the Richter scale for us, how is she doing and and her portrayal? Her introduction to this, what did you say, Benny Hill, Barney Mm Fife level quality of... Constable, yeah. Yeah. Um, Link Apple Apple Yard from Liberty Valance, that, Mm. that fit too. He's spying on her house. He gets bit by that snake. She shows up dressed from head to toe in white, which I thought was really interesting if it's the lair of the white worm. Mm -hmm. And all this imagery with convents and nuns and stuff, right? Well said, yes. Mm -hmm. So I love that she takes him in, and then we see her at his wound sucking the poison out, and she doesn't spit it, though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think I mean this. Mm -hmm. She swallows. Mm -hmm. In all contexts of this, because they really do make her hyper, hyper sexualized in mm-hmm. this film. So she's this succubus seductress, which is an interesting depiction of the familiar to the D. Anton worm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if she is, and what's going to bring the worm back to its full, natural, powerful state is the consumption or sacrifice of a virgin. Why would you take hypersexualized Sylvia to use the power of sex 
to find victims to feed to the worm. Mm-hmm. It sort of is the complete opposite of what you think she would be doing. But like, I almost kind of took it as she needed the the virgin to bring the worm back to like full power or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So as she, I mean, there's a good chance this lazy eyed bumbling cop might still be a virgin. Mm-hmm. But as she brings him in and she's sucking the poison out of his leg, you get that the, the seduction is not just starting and stopping there. It is going to continue. And you have to sort of think to yourself like, wow, this gal is really all in because she's a nice looking woman. Mm-hmm. And this doofus is so out of her league yeah. in the bad way. Mm-hmm. Is she just preying upon the innocent or the easy? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. So what happens with him? We don't really know because she goes and gets him another brandy and they share a glance between each other. That might be something a little bit more than let me pass you this glass of brandy familiar to maybe leading into something more. And then we're out. So for all of the missteps that I'm going to argue, James's Hugh Grant's character gets in this film Russell is on top of her. Mm-hmm. He has this character down. Yeah. And as much as I'm not exactly sure why they would use the powers of, or she would use the power of sexuality to bring victims that were virgins to the Deanta, because I don't know if, if they would understand that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, do you, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, obviously if you're sitting there in a pair of almost nothing black panties and a black bra and a black shawl mm-hmm. and you're giving someone a bath that tends to lean on the side of a little bit more than just hospitality. Yeah. Mrs. Robinson. Mm-hmm. And I think that kid gets it, which we'll get to here in a little while, but I don't know. It's, it's strange. It's very, very strange. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to point out to you, did you, cause this struck me the first time and I've watched closely this time. Okay. Did you pay attention to her armpits prior to full embodiment of DeAnton familiar? Mm-mm. Hairless. Okay. But when we get the end and she get to the end and she's gone full mm. worm snake vampire, what it thing. Yeah. That's definitely there. Okay. Which I thought was a really interesting play too. Cause I think Russell's trying to take his, his really nice looking seductress yeah. and make her hideous. Yeah. And he does it. Yeah. Snake like right. Full on Ugh. body paint and everything. So, Sylvie goes to the convent excavation site the next day. I was like, oh, what the hell are these people doing? Like, they're uncovering my secret or or whatnot. Whatever she's a manifestation for of this big worm in these caverns here in the countryside. She takes this skull that uh, Peter Capaldi had found. And then before she leaves, she makes sure to venom spit on this crucifix. And we're just like, whoa. Yeah. Crazy imagery. You you and I aren't used to stuff like that, right? No. Uh and then uh, Charlotte Oxen, Oxenberg and uh, Hugh Grant, you know, come back the next day. And she's the sister to the, their parents are missing, right, uh, to the other girl in the film. And, you know, he leaves. He's like, yeah, I'll meet you at the, I'll meet you at the dig site. He's got rich person things to do, right? Yeah. And she goes upstairs and sees the crucifix with the venom, touches it. And, oh, boy, do we get this. I love that Ken Russell went from like film stock to like video cassette, like 
Caligula? Yeah, yeah or like a version of Caligula. I, I was kind of th- I thought of the Event Horizon uh, blood orgy again, right? Yeah. Except this is like a punctious pilot orgy. <laughs> this this scene's Yeah, nuts. these Roman soldiers are just banging out these nuns left and right. Yeah, on the precipice of where Jesus is hanging from the cross with the snake dripped around him. <laughs> it, we, we enter crazy town mm-hmm. for a good like minute, and she's tripping out on the thing like, like this fever dream. And I loved every second of it. I yeah. just I, I love when we go for this seemingly normal, like posh British aristocratic countryside Irish folk tale. Yep. And then we're in like a totally different movie. Like I really like that. And that does tend to be a bit of Russell's, you know, strength. You know, Altered States does a lot of that, right? Uh but I like that. I like I love a trip into the absurd, into the weird. And it kind of shows you, yeah, this is a different off-kilter sort of monster movie. Leaning into the heavy paganism of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. too, as it leans also into the history of this worm, as we're told in snippets from various participants in the story. You know, the Romans were known for, upon conquest, sort of assimilating whatever conquered previous empires gods into their own and having by the time the roman empire was done hundreds upon hundreds of them from very important to just put that one in the halls as well because that'll make these people part of our our empire religiously so russell's pretty knowledgeable about that historical piece and he does start playing in the pagan space of what non-secular traditional Christianity says Mm -hmm. compared to the middle finger that pagans sort of recognize and celebrate. And my, for me personally, maybe it's upbringing, maybe it's uncanny. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, I love that Mm -hmm. whether it's the wicker man or plays a lot of, um, God, that Astor film, um, Midsommar, Midsommar Mm -hmm. or how any of those strange, immersions into that that's really troubling for mm-hmm. me it's you can't spit on you can't spit venom on the cross that's bad with jesus too not just a cross like it's an actual crucifixion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then when you touch it like you said you get into whatever that weird pagan celebration kind of was yeah i guess celebratory for half of the participants mm-hmm. and then the other thing too that i really liked about sylvia is she plays in that saying, well, doesn't that sound like a whole lot more fun? Mm. <clears throat> look at you, you little uptight virgin. Yeah. I bet you wish this. Look at your uptight world, mm. yeah. you know? Uh, good for Ken Russell. I, I don't know if it's going anywhere, and I don't know if the paganism of, <laughs> of the worm is really all that played out. Yeah. But it does create a nice backdrop of secular go fuck yourself. So are we on a time clock here? Like, I don't, I don't know if the film's really clear about this. So now that Sylvia has come back to the estate on where she was, I have no In hibernation, is that the illusion that... Mm. I don't know. But what are we on a time clock here to find a virgin before they uncover the truth about this worm and then it's too late? Okay, that's what I wanted to ask you, and I know it's your first thing. Yeah. What, what does the excavation of the reptile snake skull Mm -hmm. call Sylvia to come back Mm -hmm. or is she already there when it's excavated? Because there's, 
I'm going to let you answer before I go. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, it could have called her back. Uh, that would make sense. That's some sort of beacon of like, hey, they're uncovering me. They're uncovering the, the reality of it all. Because as far as, you know, Hugh Grant and his ancestors or in his immediate bloodline is concerned in these people here, this is just a legend, right? There's not a real, to them, there's probably, they're not a real worm running around there. Well, who would believe that? But Capaldi's, you know, he's on the hunt, right? Mm -hmm. He's And he's getting close. So is it a time to feed this thing a virgin? That way we can grow to full power before they discover us and destroy us? That's what I kind of took the the story as. Um, yeah, well, I buy that. Because the other thing too, and it might have been lost in the dialogue that I thought was a possibility was the skull has to be excavated by a mortal entity because Sylvia claims she's immortal. Mm -hmm. If she was going to bring the DeAnton worm back from the dead, she could have dug up that skull some years ago. And it's not like it was all that hidden. It's just around the corner from the cave that yeah. the, the serpent was killed in. Mm -hmm. So she would have just dug it up herself. But maybe she can't. She can touch it. We know we can. We know she can touch the skull because we see her handling it with great ease in this movie. But yeah, there's some interesting possibilities there. And this is a question that I wanted. I guess I'll. I was going to save it for later, but I guess I'll hit you with it now. Do you think this film, if remade today, in an American studio with an American budget that was suitable for it, let's say like six eh, forty to sixty, do you think this film? is better and do you think there's enough there that an american studio probably not blumhouse but i could see i could see like roadside pictures mm. or i could see roadside pictures like what do you think um i don't know I'd, i might have to go back to the original bram stoker text to kind of get a better a better feel of for what this story is supposed to be because i feel like ken russell's put like his ken russell spin on mm -hmm. what this story is yeah and to kind of see what the uh, what it's adapted from, kind of how that plays out, but eh, I don't know. This is might be kind of a hard sell today, kind of like pagan monster movie. Mm -hmm. But then the thing that's like I that's you know really kind of gets gets me excited about this one is just all those that 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 weirdness uh, about you know Ken Russell's style, and when we do have these you know images, and I can't wait to talk about the scene on the airplane. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I think all of that would be gone, though, right? Because you're probably just, yeah. if you're just doing a studio thing, you're probably just telling a simple monster tale. Maybe you go more for spooks and less for uh, Uncanny Valley. You might have a comparison coming up pretty soon, though, too. I think as soon as maybe middle of next week. Yeah. House of Usher is being turned oh, into Jesus a series. Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you, yeah. Mike Flanagan, right? I know you hate him. I, <laughs> I don't hate him. I just. I, I know. Just, He's got. I don't uh, love him the way other people do. Uh, no, I he hits like I thought. Midnight Mass was really good. I thought the other two things he'd done before that were not really good. Hill House and Bly Manor. I'm surprised. Bly Manor was particularly terrible. Well, it's because you like the you like that story a lot, right? Yeah. Turn, turning up the screws. So, but and then I didn't love Doctor Sleep. And yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, is that him? I guess I didn't know yeah. that. The the King thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. I do like uh, Gerald's Game. Was yeah. was pretty good with Carla Gugino and um, Bruce Greenwood. I thought that was wasn't bad, but. Follow the House of Ushers. Yeah, that's, yeah, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, you're a five-minute Edgar Allan Poe read stretched out to 10 episodes. Dude, get out of here. <laughs> Sounds like trouble, but it does. It does. It does. You, I'm saying you might get a snapshot at classic. Yeah. Let's say, I know Stoker and Poe. Mm -hmm. Okay, but let's put them classic literature. Mm -hmm. 
that has been already made once into a B movie. And I love House of Usher with Price. I love it. Yeah, the Corman one. Yeah. Yeah. B movie. Mm -hmm. Now getting a reimagining or a reboot with a real budget and real actors and real actresses with contemporary feel. I will, we'll see. Yeah. I'll check it out. Uh, It is 10 episodes though. That's, we both know there's enough there for six. Let me, let me give you an exact count. It just seems like a typical Netflix. We're going to do 10 episodes on this thing that has, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of material. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, so, so, so real quick here. So we kind of get back on track. Do you want to set up, this other crazy sequence here, this scene with this boy scout. <laughs> yeah. So this boy scout is lost in the estate, lost, lost on the estate. Eight episodes. Eesh. <clears throat> I swallowed that drink wrong. Ooh, that's hot. Who <laughs> sucked the poison up? Just <laughs> suck the whiskey out. Okay. So he's trying to hitch a ride and he, 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 uh, is passed by, um, is it Eve? I forget which one of the two girls it is, but. Mm. Passed by, or maybe it's, no, it's, it's Hugh, James. It's Hugh Grant, James, yeah. yeah. James that leaves him in the, in the rain. I ain't got time for that guy. But he's not passed by Sylvia. Mm-hmm. So she picks him up and says, you look like you're wet. Come home with me. And you can tell right away where this is going. And then we cut next to them in front of the fire, very vertigo styled. <laughs> yeah. Playing snakes and ladders. Playing snakes and ladders, but he's just in a robe and she's gone down to nothing except her bra and panties and is looking yeah. pretty hot. A Victoria's Secret catalog, right? right? Are, are you with me? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. <laughs> and this kid is like kind of too stupid to recognize what's happening. And is this really going to be snakes and ladders that we're playing? I don't think that's the game we're going to play. Yeah. He doesn't pick up on it. And eventually she says, it's time to give you a bath. <laughs> And then after we give you a bath, there's more of this. And she gives him a little kiss that's more snake-like than it is kissy, but it's still a kiss. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he's in the bathtub. And she says, have you ever had a bath like this? And he says, no, not by my mother or any other girl. And she says, do I remind you of your mother? Well, no, but you do seem to be quite considerate. You're like rolling your eyes like, this kid's a moron. Yeah. So giving him a sponge bath. <laughs> Sponging him out. And so then they start kind of making time. And... She stands him up, and we see that same visceral image of her transforming into the worm that happened before she spit that venom on the cross. Mm-hmm. And brother, she goes down and chomps right on Mr. Johnson with those fangs. Mm-hmm. And you think at first, like, he's in shock, which who wouldn't be? No, of course, yeah. But then we find out it may not be shock. It's the poison coursing through his veins mm-hmm. that's turning him into, a co- like, a corpse? Yeah. Uh, a- Putting him into a coma? Yeah. Into stasis. And I think what the plan is, obviously this guy's virginal, to use him as feed for the D'Anton worm when it comes out of its um, Sarlacc pit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for him, doorbell rings. And she just submerges him into the tub with her long-heeled black leather boots, and that's the end of him. So I'm going to do what you do to me. Mm-hmm. This whole seduction thing from snakes and ladders to the drowning of this boy, hot, weird, gross, troubling. <laughs> Where do you fit on the spectrum of what what emotions does that play in? And what, on the uh, keyboard of emotions, what keys are we hitting? Uh, between uh, hot and troubling, for sure. <laughs> uh, troubling because the ages are all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot because, you know, I'm not surviving this seduction. Um, yeah, I know. I, I will succumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. 
We and weird. It's the Russell weird. It's yeah. again like if you don't have a barometer for this guy's penchant for just filmmaking, you're gonna be kind of you know thrown off kilter a little bit, and then you'll kind of be grounded with some you know just by the book storytelling and filmmaking. But yeah, this is this Boy Scout, the English Boy Scout, and you know the English had Boy Scouts, but you he has to be right and. Yeah, he the way he's kind of like, you know, some sort of fairy tale where he's like seduced into the lair of like the Hansel and Gretel or some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's not going to make it. And then, yeah, the way he's disposed, you're like, I can't believe it. But then I, I kind of thought something else was going to happen because she goes and gets the skull and it almost looks like she's going to put it in the tub with him. Yes. And then the doorbell rings. It's Hugh Grant over there. And then we just completely never come back to this ever again. And as far as I know, I don't see, I don't think the skull returns to the movie. So then I don't know. Till later, way later in the film. Does it? Before she murders Eve, she brings that thing out to bring the D'Anton worm. She puts it on the ledge. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. But it's gone for a long time. Yeah. So I think they're trying to summon it, you know, give Mm -hmm. it strength back. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, maybe he died in between Hugh Grant showing up. And it looks like he's about to be seduced too. And they kind of do a little dance and 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 number and she decides not to do him in, which doesn't seem like the plan of someone of this type. But this was a vampire. He's getting vamped too. Is it because he seems to be too familiar in the ways that men and women work together in that space? Because he's pretty slick with her. That or unless she can, she, he, uh, she also senses, you know, the bloodline he comes from, right? You are the beast slayer. Mm. Uh, so eh, maybe there is a bit of a strength, you know, push and pull. I like both those. Yeah. And yeah, he's able to leave. They, 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 they share a kiss there, but you know, that's it. Do you remember one of the lines that she tells the boy before she puts him in the tub to do him in? Uh-huh. And you have halitosis. Yes. I love that that's the line because that kid's mouth on camera is disgusting. Mm-hmm. It looks like he hasn't brushed yeah. in months. Mm-hmm. I mean, her mouth is... like Everybody in British cinema has yellow teeth all the time. It's all that tea drinking, man. It is. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. And... <coughs> His looks particularly awful. Mm-hmm. There's not a dentist to be found in whatever part of England this is taking place, I suppose. Yeah. You know what's weird? Mm. You know what she is. You know what she's going to look like. You know what's in her mouth. You know how capable she is of being repulsive. I find his mouth even more disgusting <laughs> in this whole bit. I'm thinking to myself, boy, this woman is really all in for whatever she's trying to do because to kiss this... Ugh, yeah. Shoe polish teeth weirdo. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really effective. She mm-hmm. they could have picked a decent looking kid. Yeah. Jesse, they didn't even put makeup on his face to cover up his pimples. His they left him on there. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's as she's rolling around in her uh usual garter belt stockings, which that's pulling me in. You know, it's like, I'm not. Sur- oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not that, would, sur- that would work on you. <laughs> that work on me. I, huh. I ain't surviving this one here. Mm, and that seems to be her go-to because when we're gonna get on this airplane here in a second. So Hugh Grant goes home that night. He's watching some sort of after re- he's got a girlfriend. And the last thing he tells her is, "Can I see you again?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, that whole thing's weird too. So he, he goes home. He's watching some weird silent movie on on the TV where this snake goes into a thing and this worm it turns into a butterfly. As a woman. Yeah, and then he falls asleep, and there's a picture of, like, the family <laughs> slaying the beast. Uh-huh. And then it disappears, and then he's in the picture. And we're like, oh, my God, he's like a cartoon now. And so then he walks into the cave, and then he's, like, on this airplane. 
and his stewardess is Lady Sylvia, and then the two sisters are also the mm-hmm. stewardesses as as well. Um, Eve and Mary. Yes. And man, this is just, I loved it. it. This might be my favorite scene of the movie just because the parents are on there, comatosis can be, uh, Lady Sylvia's feeding them like uh, shot glasses of what you think swine, but I think it's more venom. Yeah. And then they, the, her and uh, Charlotte Oxenberg start wrestling around on the floor and he gets a marker boner. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's working for him. Yeah. All these slits of the garters and the stockings, it's just like it's really getting him aroused. And it is just, it's just, it's just bizarre town. If, if his, if his Brussels goal was to create psychotic dream imagery of like what dreams feel like that they're silent lists and then there's imagery you can't explain, you know, I think he did a really good job there. Mm-hmm. Um, how it propels the plot forward. I don't know other than saying, yeah, like there's weird stuff amok right now, mm-hmm. but Hey, I dug it. This, this, this two minutes of just baddiness. Uh, I needed more of this too. I like that painting that you're talking about too. Mm-hmm. It's one of his former family members decapitating the this terrible snake that's been troubling the people, the original worm of D'Anton, and it's right outside the cave. So what's cool about that is when the dream begins, we see him in that painting walk into the cave, which you're led to believe that's where the worm is. It is where the worm is. Or snake. Same thing. Why not? And then what's even crazier is... On the other side of the entrance to the cave is a private jet. And so maybe, I just realized this, yeah. that outfit that he's wearing is because he's a pilot. Yeah, I thought that too, right? He's got to be. That's, yeah. That has to be it. So James is the good pilot. And his stewardess begins some weird, violent, mud-wrestling, semi-orgy that he tells the butler, I wish you hadn't woke me up because I think there was more fun headed in my dreams. He, a normal person would be pretty spun out. Yeah. I don't think he is as evidenced by the boner marker that you talked about. Well, as far as he knows, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't, I don't think in, even in his dreams suspect anything nefarious, super, supernatural yet, right? In your dreams, shit like that happens all the time. Yeah, he's like, oh man, these women are wrestling over here. They might kiss, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then he wakes up that this is the scene, too, where his butler is just clanking everything. This would drive me crazy. Yes. Uh, Like pouring the tea, the sandwiches, the eggs, the whatever. He's just making so much noise. But then, you know, the group, this foursome, uh, they're going to go, you know, do because the other thing that's been discovered was this pocket watch in the caverns. And so they think that's a good clue of because it belonged to the father and, you know, if we keep looking where this was found, we might form, find more evidence of where our parents are. They go up there. They don't really see anything. They find some cave drawings with some, you know, some more phallic imagery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but these women have had enough, and you know, Charlotte Oxenberg's like, "Well, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to the to the to the place. We have people coming. I'll get I'll get the stuff ready. I'll make tea and some spaghetti or whatever." Uh, but she gets lost in the woods or then gets seduced by Lady Sylvia. And I love, we haven't mentioned this, her out-of-office attire is these, like, weird, like, you know, Barbara Stanwyck, like, head wraps with yeah. these glasses. Mm-hmm. That the glasses look snake-like. Yeah. I think she has a green pair on. First time we see her, and then the this time they're, like, red. 
Um, so I think they do a good job. Oh, and then the garters and the stockings, right? Almost like snake skin. Like it's, yeah. it's like snake husk, right? And the seduction's on. And I think she's like, oh, I've, I've found, I found a real live one here, right? This, this virgin. And we get this fantastic scene here where she's like in a tanning bed. I don't even know what that's all about other than if we need to get her naked. And so she's just naked there. Um, and as she, as she's having, what's this character's name? Uh, Eve. Eve. Yeah. She's getting her uh, to, to undress, to de-sheath, doing a virgin test, I suppose. Oh, you are. Um, oh my God. The thing she tests her with. Yeah. This, the phallic steak. Yeah. This steak, this very big, large steak with all these carvings and yeah, pa- super sharp points. Yeah. Pagan carvings. Yeah. But it's another oddly kind of hot scene, but it's also very creepy yeah. at, at the same time. This is the second of two, right? Do you think Ken Russell mm-hmm. is effective with sex? I know there's plenty of it in Altered States, mm-hmm. too. We play, is, and it's, this movie is obviously tailored to, to type, you know, to showcase that. Yeah. He kind of is good at it. Yeah, in a weird kind of reptilian way. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. uh, transhumanism, right? It's like, it's it's sex in ways that's like, yeah, this is, yeah, but like, you know, I don't want someone with these large fangs or with snakeskin or blue snakeskin, right? Mm. I mean, she's going to be looking like a Navi here in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But this is working for me, and it's 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 just, it's off kilter. It's weird, but I can't describe the, the seduction pa- powers in these sequences is really spot on. So she just commands Catherine Oxenberg to disrobe in front of her, and Catherine Oxenberg is so um, mind-tricked or hypnotized by whatever spell Sylvia has cast on her that she can't even fight it off. Mm-hmm. So... As she then takes everything off except her blue denim shirt, Sylvia makes her walk to the bed that she's in, the tanning bed. And in that tanning bed was that steak. So what was going on in that tanning bed? And she just sort of starts gently or maybe not so gently prodding her with that steak until we get, I'm assuming, a prod downstairs to which... Eve takes a jump, jumps on. Yeah. I don't mean jumps on, jumps because of. (laughs) And Sylvia says, oh, you are in fact a virgin. Look at that. And then she's just like, perfect. I'm not going to ruin you. I'm not going to put you, fill you up with venom. I'm going to feed you to the worm. Wait, what a strange, is that what this film was about? Who saw that coming, right? (laughs) I don't know. But that's where we are. That's where we're going. I mean, I guess other than the the goals or the motivations of the Sylvia character have never been very good. Mm-hmm. I guess that's consistent. But to say we're all over the place is fair. Yeah. It's, it's all over the place. It is. This movie is more fairy tale, I think, than horror. Sure. But it is an adult fairy tale. Oh, yeah. Right. So we cut to uh, Hugh Grant and, and Peter Capaldi uh, having spaghetti and wine. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, and the bread's just on the table. They're yeah. making a mess. Yeah, it's it's a wild image. And then they get, they get a call from Eve saying, oh, I'm going to the train station. I need I need some time to clear my head for a bit. Under, uh, under the hypnosis of Sylvia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, hmm, that was weird. Maybe we should go and <laughs> in, look, in, look into that. And then Hugh Grant has some sort of grand plan of like, well, I can get this thing to emerge from its cavern by playing this like snake dance music, right? 
and then I can get you guys some time. I think that's the plan, right? Unless it's two separate independent plans. Right? Snake Charmer. Yeah. James. So he finds some sort of derelict record in his father's whatever and plays it and it gets her out of like like a like a what you think a snake dance, a snake charmer comes out of this basket uh and then slithers out of the house as a bipedal human can slither. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it gives them enough time to go in and kind of investigate what's going on here. This is where they find the parents or the mother, right? I don't even know if we ever see the dad, do we? I don't think we do. Other than on the plane for a moment, we don't. Yes. And, but, and then you're reminded that, oh, yeah, that's what this movie was about. Yeah, missing parents. Was trying to find Eve's and her sister, Mary. Yeah, Mary. Mm-hmm. They're missing parents. And this has to do with the pocket watch, which we haven't even talked about, which oh. is kind of a MacGuffin. I did I did mention it, that they found it. And it, it um, so that's, okay. that's why they were looking in the cave. I guess if we can draw the <laughs> snake Sylvia out of the estate, then we can investigate Xanadu and hopefully find your parents. Mm. It works. Bagpipes, speakers oh, on the oh, on the terrace. Well, not but not bagpipes yet, but yet, no. uh, Mary gets bitten on the leg by her mom. Yeah, so she finds mom, and mom's awful. Yeah, reptilian, fang, fanged out, and bites bites daughter. Mm-hmm. And then we get some more poison sucking, which is disgusting. Oh my god, too much he spit out. Yeah, he spits out a lot, right? Yeah, so um, Capaldi. Yeah rescues her by sucking out the poison again. Angus is his name. Mm -hmm. And man, it is both of what we have together, liquor-wise, put into one goblet. It's Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You guys know when you're really, really, really sick and you're coughing up green? (laughs) There you go. That's what he's pulling out of her. (laughs) That's so gross. That's really what it looks like. Yeah. (laughs) Yuck. But then, yeah, so Sylvie doesn't show up at... Uh, Hugh Grant's estate, it's the mom that shows up, right? Mm-hmm. And does something, the The butler has a tumble, whether he was pushed or not. And then we do get a pretty cool scene here where uh, the blade that, you know, pierced the beast, he's able to cut mom in half. And I thought that effect, effect-wise looked really good. It was cool. Slithering around all kind of halved out. And mm-hmm. I don't know why he doesn't bring the the... Here, with him? Yeah, here's the weird part about the, like the movie. He like puts the blade back, and then he's gonna disappear from the movie. And then towards the end, I'm like, well, maybe he's doing something else on the side there, and it does help out uh, the the other plan. But he doesn't use the sword again. He doesn't really do much at the end of this movie. This is his big heroic moment, right? After he cuts mom into two, and her top half is separated from her bottom half. He makes a phone call to let Angus know that, yeah, I found mom and it's not going to go well. So just keep it to yourself. And nope, they're not going to be able to see her. And then he picks up, I think it's a candle. And he looks at her and we think he's going to burn mom. But the two halves of mom, he's going to burn her. Well, the house, in fact, never gets set on fire. I forget what happens immediately next, but we cut back to him on the phone again. And mom has appeared at his foot, the top half of her, ready to strike. Mm -hmm. And we cut before we know what happens. Mm -hmm. I have both times assumed (laughs) that she got him. Yeah. And the reason I think that is because he just disappears 
for the next 20 minutes until we see him just spelunking in the caves with some group of townies with no real rhyme or reason other than some Hail Mary to find him in the cave? Well, with the thing, I th- they're using smoke to smoke out the worm was what I, what, what I took that as. Um, <laughs> Good plan. Yeah. Uh, if that was in conjunction with what they're doing with the bagpipes, I, I have no idea. That's not very clear. But you're right. Yeah, we don't get resolution to that sequence. And then he, he kind of disappears. So it becomes the Capaldi and Mary show. And they're going to use bagpipes to charm these snakes. And the first one we get is the, the familiar, the cop again, he reemerges and they kind of, they kind of do a little dance here. And then man, this guy pierces himself on this bird fountain outside or something. It's pretty mm-hmm. gruesome. It's another good, good little effect in the movie. So we see the effects of Benny Hill. He's been bit mm-hmm. and I think he looks cool. Mm-hmm. He's already got this, those weird eyes, like you said, and they're now they're red, red yeah. with two really mean looking vampire snake fangs. And he's chasing Mary Mm -hmm. through the catacombs on the estate of the convent. Only by the sheer luck of Angus playing the bagpipes. And we don't really know how he has come to the knowledge that snake charmer music will work on these, these snakes. Yeah. But he's playing the bagpipes and that pulls the cop off of Mary and after him. Um, Yeah. He said that showdown happens between, he and the cop, and that cop gets the blade of was it a bird fountain? You said mm-hmm. right through his eye. Yeah. What'd you think of that? I thought it looked. I thought that looked great. Yeah. I yeah. Did. How he acquired this skill is a different question altogether. No bagpipes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or yeah, how he knew to to play other than Hugh Grant in a scene we don't see saying, "Hey, the music works. If you can play music, you can save yourself." God, I can only imagine someone that has not seen this movie listening to this show right now, going like, <laughs> "Man, they're already drunk. What are they talking about?" <laughs> The movie's it's all over the place. It, it's doing some some wild things. So then, in another scene we didn't see, and I didn't think there was, there might have been a dialogue exchange, but he pulls out this syringe, and we're like, <laughs> "What's he doing with that?" And then, so he syringes a mongoose. No, himself. Oh, himself. You yeah, think it's right. the mongoose? Because then he pulls this mongoose out of his pants. That's, what? <laughs> out of his pouch? Mm-hmm. Out of his kilt pouch? Oh yeah. And he's going to, because, you know, the lore with, like, snakes, and a mongoose is, like, a snake's worst enemy. It can, mm-hmm. you know, it, it had just go read yeah, Jungle Book or whatever, right? Ricky Ticky Tabby. Yeah, but that, there you go. That's the one. Ricky Ticky Tabby. Man, I haven't thought about that. I know. In, like, 20 years. You remember that cartoon? I do. We watched it in, in a class one time. Yeah. And then uh, I always got him in Rin Tin Tin, but he was a dog, right? Yeah. Okay, so he pulls this mongoose out of his kilt pouch, and then you think he syringes this mongoose. Why? You don't know, um, but he does do the syringe on himself. Uh, also, why? You don't know. Uh, but then this mongoose goes into this, like, you know, vacuous, you know, you know, part of the house where you can't really, it's this sheet that's covering up this room. <laughs> and the mongoose gets spit back out. It's all bloodied and killed. And then the blue version of Lady Sylvia, fully snaked out, right, emerges. And this this looks good. Yeah. You know, naked from the top down and uh, bites Capaldi on, on the ankle. So at this point, we've seen what's happened to everyone else. It looks like curtains for him. Yeah. He gets dragged into the inner sanctum of the lair of the white worm. Uh, Mary's chained to a rock. 
Uh, Charlotte Oxenberg, Eve. Is, e- Eve is stripped down to her brawn panties and hung on a hook. Yeah, these, yeah, these white, white brawn panties. She's the virgin, remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so finally it looks like we're going to get some sort of ceremony or pomp and circumstance to have this worm emerge or reach its final form. Maybe Lady Sylvia is going to become the next worm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but we're all kind of interrupted because we do find out Hugh Grant and his spelunkers are gassing the cave, which is going to make the the snake emerge, the worm emerge. Peter Capaldi, you find out, didn't inject it himself with antidotes, so he's able to get out of his comatose state and put up a fight. Dangles Lady Sylvia over this, you know, this this cave as this worm's coming up. And I thought pretty cool in a very evil dead way. Kind of like slices her hand off. And then she falls into the mouth of this thing. And he's kind of able to save the whole day, right? Yeah. And then puts a grenade where he got this. I have no idea. In that pouch next (laughs) to the mongoose. It was in his kilt pouch, right? Uh, Drops a grenade into this worm's mouth. Blows it to kingdom come. And yeah, we've defeated the, the, the legend. Had some truth to it. This was a crazy wild adventure. Him and Hugh Grant, you know, exchanged stories of, yeah, I thought you could use a little bit of my help, and this is like the, the, the gas the caverns for you. What are you going to do? Ah, I, 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 I don't know. And you know, Go get a girl and go get the girls and have a pint. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, let's celebrate. Capaldi gets a call from this <laughs> CDC office. I don't know who. This yeah. is a character we've never seen before. Uh, and she says, that antidote that you picked up, there has to be, there's got to be a director's cut to this film or a version that got trimmed down. Uh, I would like to see some of these scenes, right? Yeah. Uh, that antidote that you picked up wasn't for snake. It was for arthritis or something. Right. Right. And he's like, Oh, like he's like, but I have the antidote here. But at this point you kind of realize, Oh no, that this guy's going to snake out. Right. Yeah. He's had too much of this venom running through his system for too long a period of time. And then our final scene is Hugh Grant and Capaldi in, in this car here, and they're having another converse, long-winded Hugh Grant conversation. Uh, and he's like, it was like, I'm really hungry. What do you say we stop off and have a bite? And he's like, yes, that sounds like a most excellent idea. And then we see the the wounds on his leg. And then we cut to black, and we get that 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 jaunty little bluegrass tune again. Um, under the full impression that I think he's going to snake out, snake him, mm-hmm. snake. Th- he's going to be the lair of the white worm part two, right? Well, who else has been bitten? Uh, Marie, Mary? I think, yeah, she got it on the neck from her mother. Yeah, that was right. She didn't get bit on the leg. She got bit on the neck. And I know he sucked it out, but if he didn't get all of it, I guess we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on getting all of it. I think. Yeah, she, could, she could worm out too. You're left with the idea that this is not ending. Mm. Uh, the worm may not be brought back because I think it's been blown to bits, mm-hmm. but it was beheaded earlier, so maybe it is coming back because mm-hmm. it was beheaded and came back. It almost is playing in the space of this very contagious virus now that's going to spread throughout this English countryside. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. And look out because... But then are we making a movie about an army of snake people or is there a big snake, right? The film tries to do both. That's a good question. Sylvia seemed pretty content just doing herself as the only familiar to the the worm, mm-hmm. the snake of DeAnton. But this is a different story. And I don't know if Angus, that's 
Capaldi gives a shit. I think he would just be evil. I do love that, though. Mm-hmm. I love it that even when the CDC director is on the phone and she says, no, no, what we gave you was for arthritis. No, no, it has no effect against snake bite venom. And you can just see him on the other end like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, well, that's what you meant to give me, right? That works? No, no, it totally doesn't work at all. I have your, I have your <laughs> antiviral here instead. <laughs> yeah, modern medicine. There's some sucks in England too. I think there's some pretty good humor in the in, oh, yeah. in this film. It, like it when it comes in and where it's it's placed, and that's all Russell, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it works pretty well. Uh, but man, it's a, it's a wild ride to get there, yeah. and it's at the end of the day, I still I'm still a little gray on you know what the villain's intentions were. Was it reincarnation? <laughs> and Sylvia said, I believe in reincarnation. So is she a reincarnated version of the original worm, and then what is she trying to bring back to life that's already in the pit? Because we haven't sacrificed the virgin yet to bring you back. <laughs> I don't. I can't make heads or tails of that. I would need to watch this a couple more times and see if there's more truth. And they got pop these subtitles on, right? See if we can get a little bit more uh, dialogue. Hugh Grant's talking for like five minutes at a time. I'm sure he's maybe spouting off some important stuff that we just missed. What about Bram Stoker? Yeah, this is a weird Bram Stoker tale. Like right. the guy that did Dracula, Vlad the Impaler. Mm-hmm. What drugs was he on when he came up with this idea, right? Yes. What kind of morphine kick was this guy on? Yeah. Because this is kind of a weird little tale. Very weird. It, if anything, Matt, it did uh, add curiosity to me to, I need to check out that story. I mm-hmm. need to see what's really going on there. I don't, I doubt that it's like an estate, you know, like countryside worm battle where we're, 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 we're seducing Boy Scouts. Like, I think the, 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 the real text might be a little bit more in line with what his intentions were. Mm-hmm. It is a little HP Lovecraft, too, at times, like, you yeah. know, slithering monsters and, and stuff. So I did get a little bit of Lovecraft vibe from this, but it must sound, you're funny. It must sound like we're drunk trying to explain <laughs> this movie. Yeah. But, hey, it's it, it, takes a, it takes some wild turns here. It's not a rye watch like Mandy, but it's in the <laughs> same ballpark as that. It's a weird film. I love it. I, I love the too. Mandy uh, uh, barometer that's been set, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. That's that's a wild, crazy film. Mm-hmm. David Lynch is like, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That's a weird film. I'd love to know what he thought about that. He's like, oh, that was my cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> solid, solid film. Great storytelling. Super linear. I could see it happening. I've been, you know... Um, with David Lynch, <laughs> I found some videos on YouTube with him. Just uh, maybe I'll play some for you after we, we hit pause here. But it's just like unfiltered David Lynch is is amazing. Mm. Like him on stage, like what he's like, what the hell is that plaster of Paris? Fuck! He like he's like it's a goddamn catastrophe. <laughs> just <laughs> so stressed out all the time when like things don't go right, and it just cracks me up. Just like this cranky old man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who's got his own just like artistic vision and style. And I just, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate that with Russell in this film. Yeah. And I have to appreciate you for bringing it to the table because I don't know if I would have ever said, it was like, let's do an episode on this. Cause a, I haven't seen it and B, where are we going to fit something that's, you know, so strange, right? Yeah. Where would that make it in? But I think it's a good place uh, here as well. Good. So let's wrap this up with a couple questions. What's your favorite tasting note moment scene sequence of, mm-hmm. Lair of the White Worm. I think that Boy Scout bit, uh, 
to open up after she's brought him home and got him dried off in what looks like a post-coital state. A little bit, yeah. But not. We mm-hmm. find out it's not. And that this woman is down basically to the pinks and this kid is just not getting it is so troubling. Um, but infinitely interesting. It's a train wreck in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like the first like, this is this is going to be a weird movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick the, I guess, the second one, uh, which would be the tanning bed bed seduction. Mm -hmm. Just because there was some really good dialogue in there where she's like really throwing, you know, Christianity under the bus, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But just the bastardization of like what this is, what we're doing it, how she does it. uh, It's sexy in the most unsexy way uh, possible possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's great seduction scene. I think, and I think the performance uh, was Amanda, Andrea. Donahoe? Amanda Donahoe. Amanda Don. Good performance, I think. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to pick for the... Oh, my God! Moment of Lair of the White Worm. Mm. I think that there's there's other Oh, My God moments, but it's a really good introduction to her, so that's how I'm going to pick it. Her at the cop's leg sucking out the venom to then only swallow it is is probably where I'm going to go to begin. Yeah, it's a quick... I think what makes it good is the editing because you go from them walking outside to the next cut is just her on that leg. Mouth right? on, her mouth on his leg. And there's like no adjustment to like, oh, we're going there? It's just like, we're there already. <laughs> Give her credit for putting his mouth on his her mouth on his leg too. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that as an actor. Nor would I. <laughs> Nor would I. Uh, my, oh my God. Uh, that video footage imagery of, mm-hmm. you know, the Pontius Pilate orgy is quite something yeah uh it did definitely reminded me of all the static imagery from event horizon and what was going on on that ship but here where this shouldn't be taking place right yeah. uh that was something else honorable mention to that airplane sequence because and but that's more comedic and it was more played for laughs yeah but still odd odd as can be mm-hmm. that little marker like <laughs> it's working for me and it's like where'd you even get that marker yeah, exactly <laughs> weird Who's the master distiller on Lair of the White Worm? Amanda Donahoe. She's fantastic as Sylvia. It's the one character that kind of makes sense in the film. Mm-hmm. And it's her movie. So, yeah, it should. I'm going to give it to her. Good choice. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen anything with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not really privy to her filmography. But, yeah, she was good, effective. Uh, yeah, I'll give it to Ken Russell. Um, I think I need to do a little diving on his filmography as well, a return to altered states. But I got to see The Devils. I've heard great things about that one. And uh, an odd little guy, mm-hmm. right? British filmmaking, right? Yeah. And it's got this weird Brit feel to it, but like, I almost want to say it has like a a, a touch of Terry Gilliam to it too. Like, yeah. it, it does feel a bit Monty Python at times. Yes. But not as outlandish. It still feels more firmly rooted uh, in some sort of a reality. But I thought he did a pretty good uh, good job here. Um, even though, you know, parts are confusing and you're like, stuff's missing. Like, I dig, I dug the vibe for sure. Uh, how are you going to rate and grade the Lair of the White Worm? We have Rock Cut, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Oh, uh, I think Call. Um, I think it's Call film. It's, it's interesting and probably worth another watch <laughs> and certainly fun to watch with someone for the first time yeah, yeah. to see how they're going to react. Mm. It's tough to say that this is amazing cinematic work, 
this story has a lot of holes in it. Um, I, adapted from what I, I think a guy was able to write a pretty good story. Sure. So, again, having not read it, I shouldn't say this, but maybe there's some holes that this got left out. Maybe there's some editing issues. There's some problems to it, but it's it's a lot of fun and it's weird and fun and weird and sexy kind of work. So a good solid call, maybe just under call plus for me. Did it remind you of the hunger at all? Like I was getting for some sure. hunger vibes for from sure. this thing. Mm-hmm. A little less, you know, the hunger I think has more style to it. Yeah. That's the Tony Scottness of, of the hunger. Mm-hmm. But the stuff with Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon, I was kind of feeling that too with Amanda Donahoe. So uh, that's why I asked, you know, I, I was familiar with the imagery of this film with the blue lady with the fang. So I, I immediately thought vampire film. Yeah. And they do mention the word vampire, I think once in the movie, but it's a snake, snake person movie. They're snake people. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's different. And I, I did appreciate that too, that it wasn't just didn't become vampire mythos. Right. Cause mm-hmm. that seems, you know, pretty well played out even in 88. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'll go call, call, bordering on call plus. I thought it was a wacky, fun little time. Uh, I love off-kilter cinema like this. Uh, I would totally watch this again. 100 minutes? 90 minutes, I 90 think. Minutes. 93 minutes? Perfect. Yeah, it's, it's the primo primo range right there. But, yeah, if you're looking for some, like, like I said, with Unlawful Entry, if you want some alternative programming to your spooky season watches, if you're, you know, don't want just The Exorcist or, you know... Uh, Midsomar Hereditary, if you want something off the beaten path, I was like, this is the very definition of that. Mm-hmm. And definitely something I don't think a lot of people have, have really seen. And those that do, they probably enjoy it for its weird, wacky sensibilities as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, a good call. Call plus. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And like I said, I, I think I'll check this one out again. Good. Nice. Well, excellent. Well, that's a wrap on your picks. Uh, was there anything teetering on honorable mentions that almost made your picks list that we could maybe table for another time? Near Dark. Western Vampires. There you go. Um, and then for everybody, like I'll just let you all know, there was another film we had selected, and it was The Unholy. We had to go back and kind of edit the show last week because that's what the original show... It was, was going to be this or The Unholy, and... You just can't find the unholy. The, 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 I was flabbergasted because either which through, makes us me want to do it even more now. Sure, yeah, we we got to fi- find it like eBay. I mean, I think we found it on eBay, but it was like one hundred and thirty three dollars out of print, Blu Ray or DVD. Wasn't on YouTube in like a full rip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't find it on any other you know sites in like its full entirety. Uh, no streaming services. Couldn't rent on YouTube or Amazon. Like this thing is like gone yeah for a nothing movie it's a nothing movie yeah and so there's got to be a reason for that a rights issue a something is there like a michael jackson song in there that they weren't supposed to use Mm. and this thing has just been blown off the face of the earth but i'm gonna say one of these boutique labels i won't say criterion but like scream factory or like synap one of these companies is gonna put a good release out for that sooner or later and then we'll do it right yeah um it was funny. The one, one I thought you you might have toyed around, but I, I think we could find a really good space for this in a ghost thing. And I kind of preface it, but you know, the innocence. I know it's it's a movie you've talked about. Uh, God, have we not done that on the show? Uh, uh-uh. we haven't done the innocence. No, no innocence. Yeah, primarily for another reason. I think that's also another kind of hard movie to find. I know you have a, a DVD of that floating mm-hmm. around. So, um, yeah, that'd be. Awesome. That'd be a great one, yeah. But it, we could find a pseudo-ghost cask, right, to, mm-hmm. to kind of talk about spectral things on an estate. Yeah. Uh, 
But no, I, th- I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh, I think the three films you picked, uh, if it was The Unholy, it would have been three kind of spaces in like demonic territory. But mm-hmm. it was wonderful doing Event Horizon and seeing Emily Rose because it had been a minute since I had kind of went down that path. And then this, a first time watch for me. Well, thanks for giving me the ring, the reins for the last three weeks. Yeah, we had some fun. I'm, I, I have no idea what's coming, everybody. So I'm about to get this bomb dropped on me about what the next cask is going to be. You, you know what it is. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, it's going to be a wild journey for you, for everyone, and myself included. But hey, man, it's that time of the year again. It's October. Oh, it's October. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I do know what's coming. <laughs> And I can't believe we're five deep in this now. Uh, But, man, it's time to do the Slasher Fives. And, oh boy, we better buckle up because this is going to be a rough, bumpy ride. And as we've done before, we do a different franchise every week. We're going to go to the world of Friday the 13th first. And we got Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Part 5, but I do not believe it is called Part 5, A New Beginning. It's just A New Beginning. And so... Which is next Friday, by the way. Yeah, yeah there, there you go. Yeah, Next so, Friday is Friday the 13th. Ooh, talk about perfect timing, right? Maybe we should cut it Friday night. Maybe, yeah. We um, To catch you up, you know, where we last left off with Jason Voorhees was little Corey Feldman, Tommy Jarvis, hacked this uh, crazy boogeyman to death, and he was dead as dead, right? Yep. So where is this going to pick off? Literally coming out the next year when they made the final chapter, they couldn't leave this franchise alone. But how are they going to bring it back? Are we going to bring back Jason as a zombie ghost? Uh, are we picking up with Corey Feldman as this pseudo killer, which is kind of what the last frame of that film alludes to? Where is this film going? But Matt, I got to tell you, this is a, a, a entry that uh, was kind of hated when it came out. It was, you know, kind of all over the place. But I got to tell you, if there's any Friday the 13th that I watch more than any of the other ones, it's this one. Really? Because of how outlandish and bombastic it is. Awesome. Uh, So I can't wait to watch it with you. It's going to be, it's not a good movie. I'll just tell you that right now. But we will have some fun talking about a lot of the eccentricities of this particular film. Cool. Um, Directed uh, by a director who... uh, all he did before was pornography. So <laughs> wow. uh, let's hire that guy to do our Friday the 13th film. So mm. um, kind of like we did this week, I think we're going to keep it a little simple the next three weeks because we've asked about probably every question we can about Jason, Freddie, and Michael. Yeah. So let's just come in nice and easy, no flight or nightcap, and we'll just kind of get right into it. But there is a question I want you to ask, and maybe we'll save it for the, the final episode, is uh, – I love when you ask which of these franchises is in the best shape going forward and mm. what's in the worst shape at okay. its current fifth entry. That's yeah, that's fun. So yeah, I think we're gonna have a blast these next couple weeks. So <laughs> cheers to you. Cheers to you. Cheers to this cast, this video store, this fantasy video store we have is awesome, by the way. Um, but hey, I gotta get going. I've had a little kind of like weird uh, abrasion on my ankle. Uh you want to suck out uh, the the wound here, and then you can take me to the hospital so I can get some stitches? Well, I'll make you a deal. Absolutely, Will, if you'll give me the antidote for this mongoose that's in my pouch. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag pouch mongoose. Yeah. Hey, we'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, tune in, or if you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show.
And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. The Lair of the White Worm is property of Vestron Pictures, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. One, two, three, four! John Dumpson went up fishing once, out fishing in the weir. He caught a fish upon his hook, he thought looked mighty queer. Now what the kind of fish it was, John Dumpton couldn't tell. But he didn't like the look of it, so he threw it down a well. 